Hello, and welcome to the Marketing Times Analytics Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Safranis, and today we're joined by probably our most popular guest, Sid Katon. Sid, do you want to introduce yourself? Absolutely. I don't get that often. Uh, I'm Sid. I am a side hustler by trade, which means I work uh, as a content strategy director by day and uh, work on as a writer by night and freelance as well. Very nice. Sid, I want to talk to you about content today. You, you said you write and you're, you're probably the you're probably the, the writer I'm closest to. So, so I really want to get into the, the details of, you know, kind of like base truths, like the purpose, um, the value, and measuring the impact of, of writing uh, in, in a marketing context. So I want to start with the purpose, just base truth. Why is writing important in marketing? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, and I, I almost go back to the idea of what is a similar question. What is content strategy? Because at the end of the day, it's, um, you know, the reason we create content is, is to have maximum impact with minimal effort. And to me, that lives at the intersection of whatever a business or brand is trying to do, what the user needs or wants, and then context. And context comes from, um, data and then also performance. So um, how's that content doing? Where does it live? What does it do? And where are you? What channel are you on? So at the end of the day, when it comes to the purpose of developing content, it's really to resonate with someone and create a relationship or build a community. And um, when you do it right, you can you can learn from people, you can co-create and uh, develop, you know, really some equity with the person on the other side. It's a communication uh, vehicle or vessel. I know, at least for myself, some of the brands that I like most are the ones that actually teach me new things, the ones that I can go to to learn from. Um, you know, you imagine things like Google. I, I recently became a big fan of Cassie Kozarkov, who who is a data science um, leader. And the way that she explains data science is so clear. It makes me want to come back. It makes me want to learn from her. It's not boring or dry or what you might expect when you're learning about things like machine learning. And so... I totally understand what you mean. It's about connecting with the audience and giving them as much value as you can. Absolutely. And um, it's also about, and, and you know, this is probably a hot take from me, but I think it's also about consistency. Um, I've been publishing now probably around a year or so, just every day on LinkedIn. And, you know, some people think that's a terrible idea or like, you know, I'm not necessarily putting my best work out. But to me, it really is about consistency and creating a long-term relationship, right? Because that's when you get to show that you really he are here for the long run and whatever you are talking about, you're passionate about and um, are willing to commit to. So um, I think there is an element as well of what you get to learn internally when you start developing uh, your own content engine or your own uh, kind of writing or voice um, as you develop it. Yeah, so do you feel like you have developed more of a voice and in what direction have you improved uh, in you know in that area yeah I like to think I have a more informed perspective uh, I, I guess anyone can go back to the first episode of when you and I recorded for a for a tidbit or like a, a measurement there but yeah I think you know writing is now more natural to me I, I, I find purpose from it and of the creation of content but also the strategizing of it and what I mean by that is you know content strategy is really about 
um, creating useful and usable content. And I started to enjoy the idea of also helping others, you know, discover how fun it is and how um, interesting it is to really use content as a way of understanding yourself better. Um, because I found when I write, you know, I slowly start to discover the words that are just kind of run, running around in my head are actually on paper now and I can reflect on them. Hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree. It's, it's similar to writing a journal um, where, where you're really reflecting and sort of letting your thoughts bleed onto the paper. Yeah, and I've been, and speaking of journal, I've been doing that a lot more as well. Uh, I have this thing called High Performance Habits by Brennan Burchard. Um, it's, it's like a little journal that I fill out every morning and then also doing morning pages, which is basically where you fill out three uh, pages of stream of consciousness thoughts. I honestly probably get through a paragraph every morning just based on um, where I'm at today, but Either way, those kind of keep me in line, keep me in shape and, and help me develop that perspective or that kind of inner eye into how I'm thinking that day. That's really interesting. Can you provide any other recommendations to anybody who may want to get better at writing or hone in on their writing skills? Yeah, I mean, I, I would even just start with reading. You know, there's so many awesome copywriters out there. Um, and just so much information online. I think you know any writer, of course, is a, is a prolific reader, so it's a great way to start, just being voracious and um, really just taking any kind of information you can get and reading, but then also you know getting into the habit of producing some type of content, whether it's verbal, whether it's uh, written is totally fine, but getting into the habit of you know thinking out loud and putting your ideas somewhere I think is huge. Um, morning pages for me has been probably the most transformative because it gets me, you know, right when I wake up in the morning, I'm producing some sort of content before I start consuming whatever else is on my phone, whatever else is happening around me. And it allows me to be very proactive. I think that's a very big part of being a writer. You know, it is about being consistent and just getting better every day. Um, and realizing, you know, that this is something you want to do. So I think, uh, part of it is also, um, having the identity to match the habits. It's like, yes, I am a writer. I'm going for it. And you don't need permission to get that from anyone else. Do you have to be creative to be a writer? I think so. Uh, when I started as a writer, I was probably more of a um, ghost writer, I would say. Funny enough, I had an internship um, on my way out of DePaul at college and um, was kind of being a jack of all trades at a startup, you know, a lot of marketing type of work. And I got to publish the blog every week. And eventually I realized that I was just really enjoying doing a ton of research and then coming up with a perspective. So at first, I don't think I was very creative. And then I started adding a lot of dad jokes to the mix and started becoming more comfortable. So I think it's uh, it's something you find on the way. You know, creative writing is to me, it's about, uh, it's once again, giving yourself that permission to be fun, to be creative, to kind of think outside the box, which comes with time, you know, once you're on the paper, once you're putting pen to paper and um, it just, it kind of flows that I feel like is when you start getting cute, start having fun and start um, really exercising the create creativity that is really within all of us. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I, I think that you're right. We, we all have that creative element and it's the, the more I think informed or, or the, the better skilled you are in a certain area, the easier it is to apply your innate creativity. Because you have to know the components. You need to know what you're working with. If you can imagine being an engineer, 
if if you don't understand engineering, you probably can't innovate and create a you know a new kind of mechanical uh, machine. But if you do understand all the elements, then you can then you then you can reason and create these like new combinations of the elements. But but you have to understand the elements in order to be creative with them. I feel that way in my current role, where you know it's it's tough to really express your creativity if you don't know how you you need to you need to know how to do it without creativity and and that's the first step and then the second step is to add creativity i think that's and and that's kind of what you were describing too yes absolutely i think you know creativity starts with just remixing or iterating off the most smallest things and you're right that does require some sort of base knowledge some sort of um perspective or experience um, and, and that's a big part of it, right? It's a big component that someone is actually going out to figure out how someone else has done it or, you know, seeing, learning the craft and learning the trade and then putting their kind of spin on it. So I, I, I believe that, you know, versus having broad strokes and kind of reinventing the entire wheel, most of us are, um, kind of going at it day by day, finding the people that we admire um, and then deciding how we might change that just a little bit, you know, and it becomes, it, and that's why I think writing is so iterative and um, you grow over time. It just doesn't happen overnight because um, it's all about reading a lot and just having other people change your mind, change the way you write. And all of a sudden, you know, you've gotten better or you started to become comfortable with the words. Yeah. Speaking of words, do you have a big vocabulary? And how does one get a big vocabulary? <laughs> I think I definitely did, especially when I was younger. Like I was in spelling bees and um, was always just pretty pretty crazy about having that like list. I think my my family and I we used to have one of those like things you rip off every every day a word of the day. Um, but at this point, I think most of it for me comes out of um, just reading a lot. And I do keep a like a thing on my uh, Apple Notes with just words um, that are, I find interesting. But I don't know. As a writer, I've realized the simpler, the better. So I find myself using less big words, if anything, and really trying to get to the point quicker and, and make it easier for any reader out there, especially today, right? We're in a digital era. We're in a world where um, I think simplicity and readability is huge. And really part of that is accessibility as well, right? We want to make sure that it's everything that any content that gets produced, whether you're a brand or a person, is accessible and, and easily understood by a, a, a lot of people. Because, you know, if I'm on LinkedIn and I'm just scrolling, I need something that captures my attention and is easy to read, you know, versus like a long scientific journal. Yeah, that's some, that's this is an idea I've heard a few times before, which is that the more experienced you become, the simpler um, your ideas are, the, the simpler what you what you say is. And, 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 and I do see that in my own life as well. It's almost like, you know, don't use uh, five words when one will do. Um, so, so there's like, there's almost this like, like, the more you can concentrate an idea, um, the more potent it becomes. And if you need a hundred words, you're going to lose a lot of your audience if you're trying to explain something in that many words versus somebody else who can do it in 20. So there's, there's something to be said about being concise as well. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, and I think of it as as a writer, you're really your biggest editor, right? So at the end of the day, you're you're the one who has to read your own stuff and find out ways to make it better. So I think as an editor, you start to put on that uh, hat on and it, it becomes about how can I make this simpler? How can I make this more concise and, and make my impact with less words, which really goes back to what we were talking about. You know, how do I make the most impact in the least amount of effort? Um, and what you were saying also reminds me of kind of a, a litmus test when it comes to learning, right? The, there's the Feynman, Feynman technique, which is really about if you can explain something, then you know you've learned it. So I think that's a really good point that, you know, once you have a mastery over a subject or feel really comfortable with it, it starts, you start finding those analogies or the simpler ways to put it because you, you have that understanding or um, you're starting to develop that over time. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and I love that you use the analogies. I, I love analogies. That's one of the most, um, I, I think the one of the best literary tools is analogies and metaphors and basically taking a concept and translating it into a, um, a, a scene or a, a topic or an idea that everybody's familiar with. So if you're trying to explain a very complex topic, it's often easier to just explain to people the phenomenon in, uh, in different words and in, in a different, um, in a different way. And, uh, do you, do you use, um, those kinds of metaphors often in your writing? I try to, yes. And, um, when a good one comes by, I definitely save it because those are golden. Um, being in the agency world, the marketing agency world, there are a lot that get thrown around. So I am fortunate enough to be able to just can't kind of keep a running list. Um, but I think they are so helpful. And this really goes back to the idea of um, that intersection, right, of brand goals, uh, user needs and context. If you can set the context quicker, then all of a sudden you've captured that reader, right? And if you can set that in an analogy, something that they can understand, then all of a sudden they feel like they're in that story with you. They're able to um, understand the concept and, all, and there's that aspect of familiarity that comes along and makes it um, so much easier to uh, convey your point or, um, or teach someone something new. So I, I think they're so powerful in, in so many ways. So let's... Let's pivot to the business side um, around measuring content and knowing if it's working for the business. You're a writer, you do excellent work, but how do you prove that it's working? Yeah, um, and this is where I kind of flip the switch and go to my full-time job um, as, a, as a content strategy person. I think it is really about looking at the numbers as well and using it to inform your work. So. Um, whether that's from an SEO standpoint, understanding if, you know, this is actually solving an unmet need. If, um, you know, how, how long is that person on page? How uh, often does this get searched? And, are, you know, does, does your page rank up there? I think, you know, the algorithms do have and have, have gotten sophisticated enough to help inform that approach. Um, and, and of course, you know, accompanying that are website analytics. Um, but also really understanding going out to the field and talking to the people, I think, has been the most useful for me. Like, I think there's this idea floating around on LinkedIn that, um, 
you don't just need likes and comments, you know, you, you want to talk about DMs. How many people actually reached out and said, this content changed what I'm going to be doing tomorrow? Or, you know, this is just reframe the way I think. I think those are the biggest wins. And that's where it gets really interesting to me because those are the least measured. Those are the metrics that are kind of hidden in plain sight, um, but really are the biggest indicators. And if your content is moving the needle or if it's um, resonating with someone else. Yeah. And speaking of that, when you're thinking of, you know, writing a, writing a new piece, is it a top-down approach where you listen to the business leaders, you try to synthesize the goals of the organization, and then you write with the, you know, with the sort of focus to cater it towards the audience, or do you do it the opposite? And you start with what is my main audience interested in, and let me develop content from that perspective, um, and just make sure it aligns with the goals of the organization. So sort of top-down versus bottom-up approach. What would you say is closer to what you do? Yeah, that's a great question. I like to think that I always start with the customer first. And that means, you know, really understanding what this user or what this person wants. And um, that that's very uh, nuanced because, you know, SEO data might tell you, hey, like these are the topics that people are searching for, this is what they're interested in, but what about what they're not searching for? And I think, you know, especially today, uh, a guy I, I read a lot of, and I'm a huge fan of, name, name is Nicholas Cole. Um, he basically talks a lot about how you wanna be able to give the audience what's on their mind, you know, and they're not talking about, they're not necessarily verbalizing it, but they're feeling it and they know it's in their head. When you can give them that, that's when you really know you've won, right? Whether that's through a, a hook or a title, a, a meta, you know, like a tag. But um, those are the opportunities I think are the most untapped. But, you know, aside from that, it is really understanding that customer journey all the way from initial awareness. And, and you know, if we think about a brand or a product from initial awareness all the way through loyalty, you know, and there's a full customer journey that you have to write content for. So it's really about prioritizing what areas are going to make the most impact? What are those moments that matter the most and will um, really create that relationship or, or, or take it a step further? Yeah. Do you ever struggle with writing for different parts of the funnel? Like, does it um, work or are, are there some parts of the funnel where, where you just don't see content working very well? That's interesting. I think... Um, Hmm. I think there's there's certain uh, humps that are, are barriers in a customer's journey that are harder to solve for. So I think uh, there's a few there's a few ways people look at this, like awareness, consideration, trial, loyalty, or the other is like five stages of awareness. Uh, actually, by a famous copywriter that I can't remember the name of, but it's it's how they go from problem aware all the way to product aware or solution aware. Um, and I think it is tougher once you have someone already, um, bef once they already have figured out the category and they know these are the competitors, these are the solutions that are out there. How do you convince them that you are the best fit? I think that's a tough spot. And that's also why a lot of that is reserved for sales. You know, traditionally, a lot of that happens through a conversation or, um, you know, salesperson actually talks to you. So 
doing that digitally, doing that with content, which once again, does not preclude sales. There is plenty of sales content out there. But I, I guess my mind jumped to when you're trying to do that on a, on a post or on a quick message, it's not necessarily easy to do because you have to kind of solve for multiple barriers and really, really dig deep into what is that person's want in this moment and how can I really stand out without being compared to, right? Because the, the way to win is, is to live in the blue ocean. You don't, you know, if someone's identified all the competitors and all the other areas, they're comparing them to you and that's not necessarily the best place to be. So how do you stand out? How do you differentiate? I think that's one of the hardest pieces of the puzzle to solve for. Yeah, that makes sense. Content scales, but sometimes you need just the opposite. You need a tailored approach. And I can imagine that's really hard. Do you do writing for B2B and B2C? Yes. Um, most of my work has been in B2B and weirdly enough, um, a very niche area of financial technology, which is cybersecurity. Um, I just kind of landed into it and have been uh, cranking away ever since for our clients. But um, I have also kept a few B2C clients on the way and I, I enjoy that work also because it's just more, I feel like it's more creative. You have the opportunity to really talk to someone human to human. Um, and it is writing for an audience of a few, right? I mean, I think um, there's a big difference when it comes to B2B. Often you're like personalizing by a segment and just trying to do what you can to um, meet some persona or some ideal customer profile. But in the B2C world, I think it is sometimes, you know, even though you still want to apply the principles of one-to-one, sometimes you are trying to write for a crowd or for the masses. And how do you cater to that group? How do you address the trends that they're thinking about or what's on their mind today? Um, it's tough. It's tough to get that context. Yeah. I mean, do you, how do you do it? Do you look at things like Google Trends or some sort of social media dashboard that tells you what's sort of being talked about? How do you figure out what your audience is thinking about? I think as a content strategist, I do look at the data. So exactly what you said, Google Trends, uh, social listening, I think is a great tool. You know, you can easily comb the web and understand events. And, you know, if you're me, you start to dig a little too deep and they're like, what is this person, grandma in Kentucky, think about this brand? And how is, you know, how's her day going? More importantly, what, is, what else is she talking about? Who else is she talking to? You know, I think that's one component, especially as a content strategist, I apply that mindset. But as a writer, I just really think about what are my friends talking about today? Or uh, what happened today that, you know, could have been a common experience for someone else? And I think weaving that part in or searching for that uh, similar frame of reference is always really fun. And that's what makes B2C very fun as well. It's, it's uh, you get to also look for who is this person and what are they thinking right now in this moment? What are some of the actual metrics or, you know, columns of data that you might encounter when you're trying to decide um, both what to write about and if what you're writing is working? What's the data that you look at? Interesting. Um, so, of course, there's awareness. So there's just, in general, how, how far did this reach? And, you know, those are, those are pretty simple views and, and uh, just general hits to a website or such. Um, 
And then I would say it's engagement. You know, how often did somebody actually engage with this content, whether it was just getting that like or comment or, um, you know, even getting them on the page and clicking on a button. But then I think the most important category and the one we really should be measuring the most is, I don't know what the word for it is, but I'm just going to call it activation, which is what did they do with the information that you gave them, the content that you sent them? Are they reaching out for a demo? Are they, um, you know, calling you up or telling you did a great job or sending you an email? I think that is kind of where, um, especially something as deep as like good content should live because, you know, you are changing someone's mindset. You're changing their behavior and you're telling them that here's a different way of looking at the world. So if you do it right, like that's hopefully what you'd expect, right? That someone reaches out and says, hey, thanks for sharing this writing. I'm gonna use this in the way I do things. And, uh, or I found this and I discovered this brand new thing that um, changed my life. So I think that is where uh, the magic happens, but all of the metrics kind of get you to, to finding your way there. You mentioned something kind of interesting, changing somebody's mind versus sort of discovery and awareness. And I think those are two different things. But if I'm in the market for a product and you put it in front of me and I say, yes, that's what I was looking for. You haven't changed my mind. But if I'm looking for a product and I come across a piece of content you wrote and you tell me this product's not good for you, you should go for this other product. That's changing my mind. How I want to drill into that. How often do you write for each one of those use cases? Interesting. I think as a, like when writing for myself, especially, I get a lot more of that. Like someone wants to share my newsletter that I write and was like, Hey, this really hit me hard. I'm going to, you know, refer back to this link. Like that's, what's interesting about content as well, right? It's not just always creation. It's also curation. So if I, you know, I'm able to recommend an article or a movie or a book and kind of have that relationship with someone one-to-one, all of a sudden we are now both part of the same story, both part of that same experience and have something to relate to. So um, I think those are more magical moments that definitely happen less, right? Like if I was to, it's almost like a funnel, right? If you go from uh, top of the top, top line awareness all the way down to um, activation and then even retention, right? Someone's staying on with you, someone is part of your journey. Um, that is a whole different ball game. But I think uh, changing behavior, that it's tough to do. And it's, I, uh, I also think it's about time, it takes time, it takes consistency because I, I go back to the different appeals of content, pathos, logos, and ethos. Pathos is about feeling, ethos is about credibility, logos is about reason. So really anytime you're writing, you're kind of, uh, there's this interplay that's happening between those three uh, drivers of, of change, I, I guess you can call them. And to really change someone's behavior, I think pathos is the strongest and you know ethos and logos are a close second and third. So uh, when you really wanna change behavior, it's about changing their feelings and, and really getting someone to feel it emotion. And that requires talking about something, you know, in a totally different way. So I think in my creative and personal writing, I find that much more often because I am talking about, you know, how did I change my life or sharing a real story. So I think story and, um, and emotion are the, are the quickest ways in and are, are by no means an easy feat. Yeah. 
How do you get better at it? Final question. I think it's uh, becoming very comfortable with yourself and being able to share your story in a, in a very uh, visible and transparent way. I think that's why there's this whole thought of you know personal branding and you see more people trying to actually tell people um, who they are. And instead of hiding behind like a, here's my LinkedIn and you know here's two things about me and here's my professional self, I think that's very quickly blending into the personal self because people don't buy products, they buy ideas and they buy, buy it from other people. So in that case, you know, I think a lot of us want to be sold on a story and they want to know that the person in front of me isn't a robot. You know, they are someone that um, cares. They're someone that has been through experiences similar to me and has a unique perspective in this world that needs to be shared. So. I think that is when um, you start to generate more feelings. And, and a lot of that, to me, at least, I've realized comes from spending time with my family and friends. You know, as simple as it may sound, it's not from studying anything. It's from studying what's already inside me. And um, the only other thing I would recommend is, you know, yoga. I started doing yoga from home probably a year and a half ago. And it's really just shaped how I uh, kind of approach my day because I regulate my emotions first. And I also have just seen this weird tie to exercise and, and how uh, my mind works because really writing is a thinking game. You know, you think better, you write more, you write more, you think better. And um, that to me is um, the key to, you know, becoming better at this whole feelings uh, kind of cesspool or world. <laughs> I love it. That was really good. Thank you, Sid. I, I want to thank you again for coming on. This has been um, really informative both for me and hopefully for the listeners. So thanks everyone for joining.